God, we love you. We cannot say this enough. I, I start every prayer like that, God, but I, I cannot say it enough, God. I love you. And I don't deserve the love that you give me, and we don't deserve the love that you give us, God, but we, we gladly accept it. And we gladly claim it for our own, God. God, this morning as we once again dive into your word to talk about scripture, to talk about your word, God, would you speak through me this morning? Had no one came to hear from me. We all came to hear from you. How would you speak through me? Would you use me again? God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in week eight. Week eight of our, uh, of our Multiply series. And like I said, we're going to take a break for Easter. Uh, our small groups are going to go one more week after this, and, and uh, after that we're going to take a little Easter break, and then start up again the week of the 23rd, 23rd. And so uh, I encourage you, this is another good time, if you haven't been in a small group yet, uh, jump in after the break. They're going to start fresh. Uh, the, the two sections of the book after, after Easter are just talking through Scripture, going through the story of Scripture from creation all the way through the Revelation. And so we're going to spend, I think it's 12 weeks or 15 weeks even, I don't even know, uh, just going through the story of Scripture. And so I encourage you, if you haven't yet been in a small group, get involved in a small group after Easter, uh, and uh, it's going to be a good time. But today we're going to kind of close out, as far as I'm concerned, our, our series, our, our part three of our Multiply series, in which we're just kind of talking about Scripture, right? Last week was, was really, why do we read Scripture? What is the point, right? Why do we have this word? Why is it so important to us? Why is it so important to our faith? Why is it so important that we read this book that I hold in my hands and I hope you hold in yours? Why? And last week, we really just, if you heard nothing else from me last week, I wanted you to hear this, because this is the Word of God. And if you really believe that this book is the Word of God, then shouldn't it be something we're more than just a little familiar with? If this is the Word of God, this should be something that is so important to our lives. It is so essential to our lives, right? We talked about how this, this, the Word of God is, is what sustains us. Right, we talked about the, in, in Deuteronomy and Jesus quotes into Matthew, right? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word from the Lord. This, this book sustains us. And if you fasted with me this week, I hope that you, you felt that in a very real way this week. That as you were hungering for food, that you instead opened up the word and just feasted on scripture. Feasted on, on some food from the Lord. I had a great time. I hope you did too if you did that. But man, this, this week, I, I love this week. Because this week is, is in, in the Multiply book, the, the, the week is titled Studying Prayerfully and Obediently. Prayerfully and Obediently. As soon as I heard, as soon as I read those words, I knew where I, was, I wanted to go this morning. There, there's one verse in particular that I just, I love, and it's in the book of James, James chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to, if you would just turn there with me this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, and really, James here is talking about listening, right? And, but, but James kind of defines listening in a much broader sense than you and I would just, would just define listening. 
right? We, we understand the importance uh, of listening, right? Paul Tillich, a 20th century uh, theologian, said that, that listening is the first duty of love, right? If you, if you really love someone, you will listen to them, right? You will take the time, you will listen to them, you will sit with them, and you will listen to them, right? It's, it's important in any relationship, right? And we understand that. We understand cognitively how important listening is to any relationship, Last night, I was just curious, so I went on Amazon.com and, and just typed in books, listening. 32,395 books are written and purchasable on Amazon about listening. Right? We are, as a culture, we understand the importance of listening. Right, we understand that it's, that it's important to listen. James knows the importance of listening as well. But James, again, understands that listening is more than just, a, just an interpersonal thing for us. It's not just about a human-to-human relationship, right? Listening is so important in our relationship with God as well. And so if you turn with me to James chapter 1, if you're using one of our, our blue Bibles in the pew, it's on page 854, and we're going to start at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that, looks, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We'll stop there this morning. All right, see, for James... Listening is more than just kind of being quiet while someone else is talking. Listening for James is more than just kind of taking in data. Right, listening for James is, I think, I think James would say this, right? If you haven't responded, then you haven't listened. I think James would wholeheartedly agree with that this morning, even just based on that scripture. If you have not responded then you haven't truly listened. See, I have, this, I have this fear every week as we come to worship. And not just for our church, but for the church, Big C Church. That all over the country, all over the world, there are people right now today sitting in pews and in chairs just like you are that will come to church, that will sing the words of the song. They might even raise their hands. They might even dance in the aisles. They might do all kinds of stuff. They might listen to the sermon and take the best notes, incredible notes, and then go home and do nothing with it. That's a fear for me. Because if we can, if we can come to church and encounter the living God, encounter the living word, and leave unchanged, then something is very wrong with this picture for me. That's one of, my, one of my biggest fears 
as a pastor, right? That's why I preach the way that I do, right? My, my goal in preaching is, is for you to, my, my goal in preaching is for you not to leave having, having learned some nice facts. My goal in preaching is not for you to, to leave knowing something more. My goal as you leave this place, and, and I think some of you might know this now after almost three years of, of listening to me, my goal as you leave this place is that you would leave thinking to yourself, man, what do I do with that? What do I do with what I've just heard? What do I do with the scripture that I've just been encountered with? What do I do with that? All right, James gives us this, this cool analogy of a mirror here, right? This, this, it's honestly really funny if you think about it. And, and mirrors were, were made differently back then, right? But they had the same purpose, right? You looked in the mirror, and the purpose of looking in a mirror was the same reason you looked in the mirror this morning. Do I look all right? Is my beard all kind of scraggly? Like, what's, what's going on here, right? Do I look all right? Is there something in my appearance that I need to, that I need to, that I need to do differently, right? How do I look my best? How do I, how do, I do this this morning? James says, Going, listening, listening to the word and not doing anything about that is the same as you looking in the mirror this morning, seeing your bedhead, seeing the, the, the stuff, the little thing in your teeth, right? Seeing the crust in your eyes that you got when you woke up this morning and then just walking away being like, I'm good. Obviously, none of you did that this morning. You all look beautiful. Right, but that's, 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 the, that's the equivalent here, right? This is what James is saying here. This is, this is a, a really good, good metaphor, right? God's word is like a mirror, right? God's word doesn't just show us things about God. It does that, absolutely. But God's word is reflective. And I think a lot of times that's why we don't, even, we don't read it very much, right? It scares us a little bit to look into the word and to see ourselves reflected back at us and think, man, there's some things that I need to change, Man, there's some things I need to do differently. There's some things in here that, that might not fit the way that I'm living. There's some things in here that make me uncomfortable. Right? We, we read it and we, we see how God sees us and we see what God is calling us to. And we say, God says this, I need to do this. God says that, I need to do that. God's word is a reflective process. And James would say this, to be shown, to be shown something that you're called to do. To be shown an area of your life that needs to, to be changed or challenged and to do nothing about it is like looking into a mirror and leaving and forgetting what you look like. For James, it's, it's that, that easy. I love the book of James because James never keeps you guessing, right? James is never one of those people who are like, man, I wonder what he meant right there. James is one of, those, one of those writers that's going to tell you exactly what he thinks, and he's going to write it really plain and clear. And that's exactly what he does here this morning for us. And so I think to, to respond to Scripture prayerfully and obediently, the way that, that Scripture calls us to, there's some things that we need to do I think if we maybe take a little deeper look into James here, I think we see, we see some of this. And here's the, here's the first thing we need to do. We need to receive the word of God humbly. Amen. We need to receive the word of God humbly. Right, 119 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, slow to become angry. Literally, the, the original language here is, is hurry up and listen. Right? My dear brothers and sisters, hurry up and listen. Hurry up and listen. And I think, think about this. Don't we, don't we, I'm guilty of this. I'm not just getting on you this morning. Don't we normally come to Scripture talking instead of listening? It was amazing. While I, while I was fasting and reading this week, I would find myself just being distracted. And even as I was reading the Scripture, right, coming at it from a, I already know this perspective. Coming at it from a, like, this is, this is how I, this is what I think that means, perspective. Instead of just letting the scripture kind of speak for itself in my life and, and praying through that. I, I do that all the time. I, I know that I do that all the time. I, and it's, I think it's what we do too. And, and sometimes, right, if scripture runs counter to what we believe, then sometimes we just kind of, you know, set on the back burner a little bit. Maybe that part's not quite as inspired as the other parts, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, that doesn't quite fit my life. It doesn't quite fit the way that I'm living. And so we just sit it back a little bit because Scripture couldn't possibly mean that. Right? We, we come to Scripture already with, with kind of baggage, right? We come to it already with these preconceived notions of, of God and of what he's calling us to and of the Christian life. And, and we read Scripture sometimes, and there's, there's stuff in there that we need to get that, that we maybe just... Just can't. Sometimes we even just twist it just a little bit to fit our lives and to fit, to fit what's going on. I mean, this is literally the history of God's people. I mean, look at how the, the people in the Old Testament treated the prophets. Almost without exception, they all died because of what they were doing, because they were sharing the word of God. And people didn't like it. You look at Jesus. Yeah, there were a lot of people that followed Jesus. But Jesus was, was killed because he was coming proclaiming the word of God. You look at Paul. How many times was Paul imprisoned? How many times did Paul go into a synagogue and walk out being stoned because of what he was saying, right? This is... This is what happens when, when the people of God maybe aren't necessarily ready to hear the word of God. I got to tell you, as I was thinking about that this week, it's not really encouraging as a preacher, <laughs> right? I mean, my, my job is to, to preach the word of God, to just to let the word of God spill out of these pages and out of my mouth into your lives so that you might receive it. Historically speaking, it's, a, it's one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. Well, we don't think about it like that. I don't even think about it like that. But think about it. We, we, we don't necessarily receive, receive the word of God humbly. What can we do? I think there's some, there's some imagery here, Right? There's some, there's some imagery, imagery here that we, if you look back in the Old Testament with me, go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Sorry, before we go there, there's, I forgot to read this part in James 1, right? And I'll just read it for you while you turn into 
Jeremiah 31. Right? Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, this, this imagery here of the, of the word being planted in you is such, such rich imagery. Right? And this is where we're going back to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, starting at verse 31, says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them, out, took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put the, my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. All right, think about this. This is, again, Jeremiah, Old Testament prophet. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. All right, turn with me a, a couple books over to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. He says this uh, a little bit differently, but it's uh, the same kind of thing. Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring them back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And then here's, here's one here. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I think oh, this is what the, the Old Testament saints, this is what they longed for. This is what they desired. They, they longed for this new heart. They longed for the day when God would, would, would write the scripture, on the, write the word on their heart, when he would plant it in their minds. Right, and this is, this is what James is, is saying here. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly accept the word that is, that is planted in you. This is, this is the fruition of Old Testament prophets here saying, and the day will come when, when this is what the Lord declares, I will write my word on their heart. I will write it on their minds. I will put it in their heart. And James says, humbly accept the word which is planted in you. I think this is one of the, one of the coolest imageries here. He's, he has put his word in your heart. So when you read it and when you hear it, 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 it feeds your heart like blood would feed your heart. It feeds your heart like oxygen feeds your lungs, right? This is the imagery that we get here as we listen to the Word of God, that this, the Word of God fuels our life. This is what we talked about last week, that this Word of God is what fuels our lives. I mean, this is a, this is a prized, cherished possession that we hold in our hands. Receive it humbly. Receive it humbly. Don't come to it with, with your preconceived ideas of what a certain scripture means. I know I'm asking you to literally do the impossible. It's impossible to lead scripture out of, a, out of a blank lens. But as far as you are able, 
Humbly accept the word that's planted in you. Receive it for what it says, not what we prefer. That's the first thing we can do. We can receive the word of God humbly. These last two are kind of, kind of tied together in verses 22 to 25 of James chapter 1. And I want to start with this one. It's, I think we need to, to remember constantly. We need to constantly remember the word. Constantly remember. Right, uh, let's read verses 22 to 25 here. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues into it. This language of looks intently is, is, is another kind of powerful phrase here that James uses. Right? One, one scholar puts it this way, to look out with penetrating absorption. To look intently, to, to investigate, to study, to, to really just kind of grab onto this. Right? Here's the, the image that I can give you for this. How many of you have ever seen a kid just so enthralled with a bug on the ground? Right, I, I know in our backyard, it's not unusual to see my daughter and my son laying on the ground next to like a roly-poly and just watching. They're just so enthralled with what this roly-poly is doing, right? My son will try and pick it up. And it rolls up into a ball and he holds it into his hand. Oh man, that's so cool. You know, they're looking underneath sticks and in the cracks in the cement and in the grass. They're looking for all these different bugs. The other day I, walked, I came home and, and they were at the park next door looking at ladybugs. Right? Ashley went home to go get a cup and she put some tinfoil on and poked some holes in it so she could catch a ladybug and just stare at it. This is, this is what it means to, to look intently into something, right? This is, this is what James is telling us here. Look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue into it. All right, this is the, the same way that we need to be looking at Scripture. Like when we read Scripture, right, we look at this and we just think, man, this is, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God to me. Man, I could just sit here for hours and just look at this. This is God, the God who made me and the God that made you, the God that, that made the world and created everything in it. This same God wrote this book through a lot of the ways we talked about last week. Right? We have this book from God. We need to be more than just a little familiar with it like last week, right? We need to be able to look intently into this book and remember it. Right? Remember this thing. I mean, what does that mean? It means to, to stop. Just stop. Stop in the midst of all the busyness. Stop in the midst of the chaos of your life. And just be there with God. 
Take some time to just listen to the word. Take some time to open up your scripture and just, just read about what God thinks about you. Read about how God would, would call you to live. And this is a powerful thing. If we could just, just, just remind ourselves, just, just stop and to, to look intently into the, into the word. Don't be content with, with just a little bit. Don't be content with just a, a word of the day that's going to get you through. A little devotional thought that might get you through your day. And don't be content with that. Just continue seeking the, the word of God. Continue just, just wanting this book, hungering for this book. All right, there's, there's Old Testament history here as well. Right, you go back to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we'll start. Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's a, there's a part in verses 4, 4 and 5. It's called the, the Shema. And it's, an important, it's an important phrase that is repeated over and over in this culture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. Here's what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right, put, this, put it everywhere is what he's saying. Put, put, put my word everywhere that you are. Think about it when you wake up. Think about it when you go to sleep. Write it on your doorpost, right? What do you say? Write it on your, yeah, bind them on your forehead, right? Talk about looking in a mirror. You look back and the scriptures just poke right at you, right? Bind it to your forehead. Verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Right, don't forget. Go through all these measures so that you do not forget, so that you always remember me and everything that I've done with you. Turn the page over, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Starting at verse 10, says this, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you out. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you the manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may, sit to your, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, that the, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms 
his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Don't forget. We see this reminder over and over in, in Deuteronomy and in the Old Testament. Don't forget. And this would be a constant temptation for the people of God. Right, we, we read about this. This is, this is a constant temptation for them to think that they're doing it themselves, to, to, to want to go back to Egypt. Right? We, we see this constant temptation with, with, with the Israelites, with the people of God, to, to kind of forget what has happened, to forget what God has brought them out of, to feel like they're doing it themselves. Saying, remember, remember, remember. This is why I think James uses this ridiculous analogy of this mirror. This is the most ridiculous analogy. No one would ever look in a mirror and walk away and forget what they look like. No one would ever look in a mirror, see something that needs to be changed before they go out, and not do it. In the same way, this James is saying, no one, no one could ever see the Word of God, experience the Word of God, hear the Word of God, and walk away and not let it change them. No one could ever. And we're called to remember the word. Remember this word that is, that is planted in you. And this is where we are by, this is where we are really. If you think about it, my lunch today, you've already forgotten half of what I've said, which is fine. By dinner tonight, breakfast tomorrow, you gotta hold on to the main ideas. Next Sunday, if I were to stop you before church, hey, what did we talk about last week? Some of us would, well, we're talking about multiply. <laughs> we're in this series, multiply, and we're talking about the Bible. And if I asked you, you, can, you might be able to recall some of it, but it's not necessarily remembered. You're not thinking about it, right? You're not, you're not dwelling on it. You're not allowing it to, to shape your daily life. I think about that. I think the best way for this to happen is to, to keep going back to it. I'm not saying you have to keep going back to the scripture that I'm in today, but keep going back to the word. Keep going back to the word and that you would remember it, right? Memorize it. Some of you would say, man, I just, pastor, there's no way I can memorize. It's just not within me. You know, I, I just can't memorize scripture. I, I've tried before. I can't do it, you know, and, and while I acknowledge that there's, many of us are built differently, right? Many of us study differently, we remember things differently. You know, Psalm 19 says, the word of God is worth, worth more than gold. I guarantee you this morning, if I were to say, I'll give you $1,000 for every verse that you memorize by midnight tonight. Many of you would begin right now. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Cha-ching! Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Cha-ching. Right, we, we would begin to, to come up with all of these things. We'd begin to look into this. All right, what is the scripture that I can memorize? How can I do this, right? How can I do this well? How, what are these ones that I can remember? I want this. I want, I want this. You could do it. We just don't. You 100% absolutely could memorize scripture. Right? And, and think about this. Think about, think about the story of Jesus. Right? Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. He's led out into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Right? During these temptations, right? the first temptation we talked about last week, 
If you really are the Son of God, take this stone, turn it into bread. Jesus says, it is written. Next temptation, Jesus says, it is written. Third temptation, Jesus answers with, it is written. Here's my question, and I, I read this last night, and I've been thinking about it all day today. Why did Jesus need to quote scripture? I mean, Jesus was, was literally the person who could speak, and it would become scripture. Why did Jesus need to quote the Old Testament? Why did Jesus need to quote Deuteronomy? He didn't need to. Jesus, like I said, Jesus could say whatever he wanted to at that point, and they'd still be written and read in our Bible. There's still scripture. But instead, he decides to quote scripture. Right? Jesus remembers this stuff. He remembers the scripture. He, he knows the scripture. And what it does, knowing the scripture and having it on, all the time in our head, honestly, as we remember it, as we know more of it, it shapes the way that you deal with things. It shapes the way that you pray. It shapes the way that you deal with your temptations. It shapes everything about your life when you can remember the scripture. I thought that was a funny thought that I read last night. Why did Jesus need to quote scripture? Jesus could say anything and it would become scripture. But Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy. He's, he quotes from the Hebrew scriptures. Because he remembers it. He knows it. In your temptation, how many of, how many of us can, can say when we're tempted and just kind of say a verse? It is written. It is written. It is written. We need to remember. And the last thing we need to do is to obey. To obey. James has like the the Nike verse, right? Don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Just do it. Don't listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Right? Verse 22, don't merely listen to the word. Do it. See, James, for James, the word invokes action. You cannot listen to the word. You cannot encounter scripture. You cannot encounter the word and not be changed. There's this, there's this thought, there's this idea out today that, that you, can, you can accept Jesus while not necessarily obeying Jesus. Right, that you can, you can know Jesus without really living it out, right? How many people in our, in our country, in our world, call themselves Christians, but you look at their lives and then you compare it to, to non-Christians and there's really no difference? There was a study done maybe 10 years ago now, as well as in college, and they just asked these people, what's the, what's the biggest difference between your Christian friends and your non-Christian friends? And here's the answer they gave. My Christian friends go to church sometimes. So, as if it wasn't bad enough that that's the only difference. There was, a, there was a, like a stipulation there. It was sometimes. My, Christians, my Christian friends go to church sometimes. I mean, think about this. Biblically speaking, you cannot claim to follow Christ and not have actions that live it out. All over scripture, 
you're, you're called a liar <laughs> if you do this. Amen. You're called a hypocrite if you do this. Right. Pastor Chris, are you telling me that, that if I'm not living out the life that Scripture calls me, that I'm not going to be, be blessed by God? No, I'm not saying that. James is saying that. James is saying that. Don't merely listen to the word. Do it. If you've, you've not accepted anything, if it's not coming to action. You've not truly accepted anything if it's not coming into action. All right, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This whole scripture reminds me of, of uh, the backside of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Right, Jesus is, is, is speaking to the crowds, starting at verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Hear this part. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, I think we sometimes want to switch this, right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who knows the will of my Father in heaven. That would be way better of a scripture for me. <laughs> that would be a much, a much better understanding for me, right? Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who know the will of my Father. No. Not everyone who... who says to me, Lord, Lord, one to the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from you, evildoers. He continues on the same theme in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Amen. Do what it says. James could not be any clearer. Jesus could not be any clearer. Even in the Old Testament, you can make the case that God could not be any clearer. Remember this. Remember what I have done for you, otherwise you will forget. You'll continue to think you're doing it yourself. We are called to study the word because it is the word of God for us today. We are called to study it prayerfully and obediently. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Here's my prayer for you this week. My prayer for you this week is that God would begin to show you. Maybe he already has begun to do this during this sermon. An area in your life that he has been asking you to obey. And you haven't. Maybe there's an area in your life where you, you've read, maybe it was this week, maybe it was this morning, maybe it was last month, maybe it's been a few years even, and you just never did it. I pray that you would obey this week. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Would God show you this week as you read Ways in which you obey. Ways in which you can obey. And would we approach the word humbly enough to know the difference between what we're coming in with and what God is trying to get to us. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we are, again, just so thankful for you. God, we're thankful for the word that you've given us, that you've, that you've planted in us. God, would we be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word this week? God, as we go forward, as we leave this place, my prayer over us and over this congregation is that we would go out and be doers. That as we read, that we would apply and not just read to read, but we would apply it to our lives, that we would be changed by the word that we wouldn't go to the Word, we wouldn't, we wouldn't use the Word as a mirror that, that shows us how we look and then go away forgetting what we look like. But as we see reflected off the words of the page, ways in which we can look more and more like you, would we do them? God, we love you, and we trust you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.